Yo, what's up? This is Trav. That is Bias. And as you can see, we're the Sports Bag Bros podcast. This is our 40th episode, episode number 40. That means there have been 39 previous episodes that you may or may not have been around for. We're here to have the conversation about sports. And if you've been down for any of our conversations, you know we get right to it. We're not going to argue. We're not going to make a bunch of stories. We're just going to tell you what you need to know and give you our opinions. Bias. Tell them what's on the agenda for today. What's up again? Uh, we're going to talk about Mr. Ruggs. Uh, he unfortunately killed someone while under the influence. He was sentenced. Uh, you know, NFL, Eric Bieniemy, high intensity, Ron Rivera, certain comments. Um, speaking of comments, you know, give us some feedback. You know, we were looking for interaction. You agree with us or not, especially if not, you know, if you think we're wrong, Tell us your opinion, and uh, we'll see if we can come to common ground. Yeah, it's all about the conversation. I mean, sports conversations are always entertaining conversations. You know, everyone doesn't know everything. There isn't anyone out there that has the answer to everything in sports, regardless of what your specialty is. You know, we love boxing. You love basketball. I love basketball. I think you love it a little bit more than me, if not a lot more than me. Baseball, all of the sports that are out there, you know, no one's an expert to where they can't learn from someone else. So the conversations are always lively. Sports usually breaks the ice with a lot of things in society that we may not agree on. We can agree on something in sports, or even when we're disagreeing, there's still a funny element to it, to where people get along. So yeah, come join the conversation either here or go to our Facebook group and do that. Or you can go to Spotify, download what we have in the previous 39 <clears throat> episodes and check those out. But as it stands today, we're getting back into the sports talk that is here because the NFL is here. College football is here. Yes, baseball is still around, but you know football is America's pastime now. So as Bias mentioned, Henry Ruggs III getting three to ten years for his plea deal for when he killed a passenger or killed another motorist during an accident back in 2021. You know, she's dead. And not only that, her dog died too. I mean, I'm not going to just throw the dog away like it, it meant nothing, but the dog died, she died, she burnt to a crisp in the car while he and his girlfriend were on the side of the road pretty much looking at their own issue. Yeah, when when you see what happened, if you read about it, if you haven't read about it, uh, Ruggs was intoxicated, driving they estimate over 150 miles an hour. Champ, chill out, man. I'm on the show. Hey! Um, driving over 150... Yeah, <laughs> driving over 150 miles an hour and collided with uh, the victim. And as Trav mentioned, she passed and her dog was in the vehicle also and she passed. Um, it's a very unfortunate situation. You know, Ruggs owned up to it, though. You know, he, he pled guilty. Um, but that doesn't mean he should get off lightly, um, especially in this day and age. I think it happened in 21. Yeah. Uber was around. Uber was already popular. If you're drunk, call an Uber, man, or find somebody who isn't drunk. It, it's not that difficult. Um, but what was he doing driving 150 miles an hour? Obviously, he wasn't thinking clearly, um, showing out, and the bad situation just got awful. Man, when you look at it, you think about a, a young guy in the NFL. 
He has the money because he was a first rounder playing for the Los Angeles for the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders, a big time player. I mean, he was on the cusp of being a big time player. You look at his numbers. I mean, he had ridiculous numbers. The guy was an extremely big time game breaker in the making, averaging over 19 yards per reception in his first his second season and over 15 yards in his first season. He was only getting better. And then you put that into the drinking. He was with his girlfriend. That money also gave him an opportunity to buy that Corvette that he was in doing 156 miles an hour. A terrible mix. Everything was bad being out that late at night. And as you mentioned, so many ride sharing opportunities, whether it's a Lyft, whether it's an Uber, whether it's something else, anything other than driving under the influence or driving while intoxicated. And then they get into this accident. And then you see some of the videos that some people who had gathered around afterwards took and you see him on the side of the road, his girlfriend kind of, you know, uh, you know, they're going through their own thing and no one's caring about what's going on other than people who are trying to help with the fire and the victim who was in the fire along with her dog and she passed away. Three to 10 years, man, she's gone forever. Three to 10 years is never going to justify it. I understand, you know, he didn't have a track record of being a bad guy, but if he didn't have a track record, it just began that night. Right. He was on the road of having the track record. It's just unfortunate that uh, he killed someone and now he's going to be serving serious time. <clears throat> I believe he can get out on parole after five years. I read. I'm okay. not sure. I don't know what the appropriate punishment is. Obviously, he didn't murder her. No, um, he didn't. He didn't do it intentionally. But, you know, a, a whole family lost a family member. So everybody. You know, what is Everybody lost. His family loses him, but he's not dead, but he's not going to be the same. He probably lost his opportunity in the NFL, and I know the NFL has been forgiven in the in the past. You know, Leonard Little had his issue in the past. Dante Stallworth had his issue in the past where people died and they still continue to play, and I know people didn't like that that happened, but I think now in society today, I don't think that's going to happen where he – this happened and now someone's going to sign him and give him that second chance. I don't think he'll be around and have the abilities that he has right now for a second chance. But I don't know. I have a different perspective on it. When you decide to drink and you decide to get in a vehicle at all, well, you've made that decision. And even if it's an, an inebriated conscious decision, you know, it's obviously not a decision you would have made sober. But when you were sober, you took the decision to drink and knowing what could happen. This isn't new. And then when it does happen, you know, he hadn't had anything wrong in the past. I don't believe he had any discretions, even in college or even before that. They say, by all accounts, he was a good guy. Good guys don't do what he did. I mean, that's not a mistake. That was deliberate. You drank on purpose. You drove on purpose. A 0.16, you know, blood alcohol level, obviously above the legal limit. And then the results show that they were right. It was above the legal limit. Someone's dead. They're not coming back. Your family lost you. You're still around traumatized mentally because, you know, he's not going to be the same, you know, right. it's bad all the way around three years, 10 years. I just don't think it's enough, man, when someone's dead and then the way they died. Yeah. And you mentioned his alcohol level and he was tested a couple of hours after the incident. So you can imagine how much higher it was at the time it happened. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I don't know what's appropriate. Um, but if it was just three years, then I'd be like, yeah, that's probably not enough. Yeah. But I mean, if he serves eight, 10, uh, that's a good amount. I mean, he's never going to be the same. Uh, his life is pretty much ruined. 
I mean, you, you mentioned could he possibly play in the NFL? I, I don't think so. After eight years, what he's 24, 25 now. Um, it, it depends when he gets out, obviously, but it's going to be a hard sell if you're his agent. Well, we still have we still have Cap out there trying to get into the NFL all these years later. He hasn't been relevant for years outside of being an activist. But you know, I don't think he's going to get an opportunity. And those players I had spoken about already, like Dante Starworth, like Leonard Little, you know, they had their incidents and they were able to play again. I just think society is completely different now, and something like that can't happen. Let alone after a woman died by burning to death and her dog died. Peter won't stand for it. You already <laughs> saw what they did with Mike Vick. So they would not stand for it just on that. They'll say, forget the woman. You killed the dog. And so they'll be upset. And we already hear Chat back there complaining about it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was right on time, right? That, that, not acceptable, that's not man. He understands what's going down. There's he no one even in the here. house. No one even <laughs> in the house. Nobody at the door. I don't know what he was barking at. So I he guess he's putting two cents in. Yeah, he has a grievance, kind of the same grievance that Ron Rivera has now. I guess Eric Bieniemy was the one with the grievance in the NFL. You know, it, it was said by Ron Rivera that players were coming to him and they were kind of concerned about his intensity, Eric Bieniemy, that is, his intensity, the way he goes about practice, the way he kind of gets into them, I guess, the way they were never gotten into before, and they couldn't take it. But now... Ron Rivera said, no, I have to bring some clarity there. It wasn't as bad as I said. It's just a matter of them, him conveying the message and them now embracing the message after Ron Rivera had the conversation with Eric Bieniemy, And now Eric Bieniemy and Ron Rivera had conversations with the players. And they've been nothing but great practices ever since. How many? Two? <laughs> hey, who knows? Maybe Bieniemy got in there with his intensity and, and intimidated Rivera. Told him, hey man, you're getting good out there tomorrow, and you're, this is what you're gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> That's your guy, man. Up there, Rivera played with the Chicago Bears, man. You're a uh, tough dude. You're a tough guy. I don't know. Obviously, I'm joking, but yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody says something to Rivera, but like, hey, that that didn't sound too good what you said. So you might want to think about uh, clarifying. Yeah, I think you know. Obviously, I think it's about him being the head coach, Eric Bieniemy being the offensive coordinator. The head coach needs to be the head coach. The offensive coordinator needs to be the offensive coordinator and beneath the head coach. And, you know, you don't want Eric Bieniemy because he has two rings to come in and people are paying more attention to him than they're paying to Ron Rivera. You know, it's kind of like, well, with the Chicago Bears, when you had Mike Dicta and you had Buddy Ryan, you know, the <laughs> four six defense guys, well, Buddy Ryan was their guy. You know what I mean? They held him up when they won a Super Bowl. And then the other guys held yeah. up Mike Dicta. And you know there was division there, but buddies guys loved them. You know what I mean? But you don't need that on the team now and causing any type of dissension, especially with a team like the Washington Commanders, because I said Redskins yesterday, and sometimes I will say Redskins, but the Washington Commanders who are trying to really get back to what they were historically. Yeah. Like I said, Ron Rivera had to uh, straighten things out, clarify. I'm sure they didn't go his comments from the prior day didn't go over well with the enemy. That's why they had the meeting. Um, hopefully they're on a, the same page. And uh, But do I believe what Rivera was saying? Nah. Foot in the mouth? I mean, anytime you have to clear it up, you know, with social media being what it is right now, everything gets instant gratification. You know, you don't have to wait for the evening news to find out what someone said or if they cleared it up. You don't have to find out the rebuttal. But, you know, Ron Rivera, I mean, 
you know, he's had success in the NFL. I think he had a hell of a lot of success when he was with Carolina. I think, you know, I don't think he has to really establish I'm the head coach and Eric bien is the offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? Ron has a ring of his own that he worked for. You know, so um, he has that respect. But, yeah, I guess in order to keep people from doing what they do, just coming to their own conclusion, he had to say something. And I think he took the high road by saying, you know what, I put my foot in my mouth. You know, he didn't have to say that part. You know, he could have just kind of left well, the enemy out there to fend for himself and be the little Tasmanian devil he's been. Well, you mentioned Dick and Ryan. I mean, both those guys were high, high intensity guys. Absolutely. Um, but another situation which could be similar to this one was uh, Tom Osborne and his uh, defensive coordinator, Charlie McBride at Nebraska. Yeah. You know, a lot of defensive players say Charlie McBride would cuss at you. He'd call you a son of a dog. I mean, he, he would just rip you up and down if he had to. But Tom Osborne never would. But Tom Tom let Charlie do his thing. That was his defense. Uh, for the most part, they were productive and, you know, uh, so if it works, let it let let him do it. That's his style to to run his area of the team. So I yep. mean, maybe that happens in Washington. Typically, that's probably the more successful coaching tandems, not even tandems, just offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and head coach, allowing them to do the job that you hired them to do. When you get these coaches who start wanting to put their hands in and start doing the play calling and all of that. Then you're taking away from the guy yeah, that you supposedly entrusted to the job, you know. And then you might get some dissension, not only from <clears> the <throat> players but from the coach. You know, you hired me to do this job, but you're not allowing me to do this job. And when things don't go the way I've planned, well, I'm taking the brunt of the blame for it, you know. But I think they'll be all right in in, um, in Washington. I don't know about how successful they'll be this year. It'll be interesting because Eric Bieniemy is there. We're going to find out once and for all if it's Eric Bieniemy knowing offensively what to do and him being the reason why uh, Kansas City had a measure of success because obviously personnel does matter and Patrick Mahomes is a different kind of generational player. And we'll get a chance to see what he has up there in Washington and how it plays out in the NFC East, which is, well, led by the Philadelphia Eagles, but the Giants – kind of lucked into it last year, but let's see if all of it does play out. The Dallas Cowboys are somewhat in limbo, and Washington can be there to, to surprise people. Yeah, you mentioned the head coaches trying to get involved with the offense or the defense. or yeah. There should only be one Denny's menu for a coach, not not multiple Denny's menus for, <laughs> for multiple coaches. Well, it depends on who the coach is. <laughs> I remember, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, if you have an offensive coordinator, he should be probably calling the plays. Yeah, and that's true. You know, go back to Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, two defensive guys. I mean, Bill Parcells was the defensive coordinator for the Giants when Ray Perkins was there, when he was fired. Obviously, Parcells was, was elevated, and Bill Belichick was the linebackers and defensive coordinator. And they worked well together within the professional setting. Obviously, the stories was about them not getting along and never really getting along. And it was that way at one point, but it worked for them. They won two Super Bowls because of it. And who then gets Bill along Belichick. with Belichick, though? I mean, huh? who does get along uh, with Belichick? You know what? That's probably true. Well, you know, <laughs> and, and one guy who didn't have to listen to Bill Belichick was the great Lawrence Bill Taylor. Parcells. He was just telling me, oh, shut up, little man. And guess what? He shut up, little man, because Lawrence <laughs> Taylor said so. He was going to do whatever he did anyway. But Bill Belichick turned out to be the great coach, whether you add the alleged cheating and all 
all it comes with being Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Hey, he has championships to prove it now. I mean, he didn't do well when he was with Cleveland and he was on the cusp of getting fired, being with the with the, the Patriots. If Drew Blesso doesn't go down and Brady comes in and saves the day, saves the careers and creates a Hall of Fame career for both. But either way, um, I think Eric B and me will be okay. I'm still more interested because I know about that fiery attitude he has. I want to see now that everyone's adopting and adopting and embracing his way of coaching. Is that really going to matter? Because it could be sweet in the beginning, but when things start falling apart at game time, people get upset, fingers get pointed, and let's see how intense he is then. Does he get even more intense defending himself? Or does he try to be a problem solver, which coaches should be? I think it would be more of a problem if it was towards the end of camp and week one was on the horizon if this came out. But they've been at camp, what, 10 days? Yeah, about. Uh, so so it's new, you know. Um, they have to get used to it. If they're still talking the same tune <laughs> end of August, uh, and, and then they're going to have a, a different problem because the season's going to be ready to roll and guys are still going to have issues with him. If but like, still- I said, like I said yesterday, um, Dick had told the Bears when he got there, we're going to win the Super Bowl, but some of you are not going to be here to win it with us. And that may be the case in Washington. Well, well I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, about but- to say that part. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I understand the gist of it because Eric Bieniemy was brought in for a reason. I mean, he's been highly sought after, at least in an offensive coordinator position for a couple of years. I mean, he's been with one team, but I'm sure others wish they had him at the time just as well as others probably wish they had Patrick Mahomes to go along with it. But I, I will get a chance to see it. Even if they're still chomping at the bit and arguing at the end of camp, it still may mean that the season could be something. And we'll just have to wait for that regular season because you're not going to really see anything in the preseason, all of these vanilla offenses and defenses and mixes and matches. And, you know, just to see what works well together, just to see the raw ability of players, because I think that's what training camp is. You're not game planning specifically. You're putting talent out there and seeing how that talent responds against other talent on a higher level than it was in college. And that's what we get. And uh, talking about a a player who worked on a high level in college, I mean, won himself a Heisman Trophy, Bryce Young, Aaron Rodgers, they share the same agent, but I don't think that's the reason why he talks about him as highly as he's talking about Bryce Young. He likes what he's seeing in Bryce. And going back and looking at Bryce as a – early freshman and then in his sophomore year and then even last year, the poise this guy had. I was completely against him when I went up to Atlanta, of course, being a Canes fan and watching the beating. I thought that he was just another one of these chickens with the head off running quarterbacks. This guy is a cerebral quarterback who has enough athleticism to make things interesting and he could read defenses. He gets the ball there. He doesn't have to have a big time arm like Drew Brees didn't have a big time arm. He just knew who to get the ball to, surround him with weapons, let him use his mind, let him take his lumps, and just let it fly. Aaron Rodgers, I think, might be right on this one. Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers said it, it must be true, right? (laughs) I'm not going to go that far, but you know what? (laughs) I I think that if someone who's a Hall of Famer kind of says that to you, I mean, especially if you you share it. It's a nice compliment. It's a nice compliment. And if you're a young guy, you're probably a bit wide-eyed even though they do share the same agent, so it's not like this is his first time seeing him and he's wide out because of that. I mean, getting those compliments does matter. 
you already was anointed the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. You were the number one pick overall. There isn't anything you have to worry about in terms of looking behind your back and over your shoulder if you were to screw up. They're going to let you screw up. And hopefully not like the Houston Texans let David Carr screw up because, uh, because I mean, offensive line-wise, he was getting pummeled every week, and he was pretty much beating it to submission from being a solid quarterback or possibly a good quarterback to just being afraid and a bad quarterback. I think Bryce Young has all of those elements with poise and his cerebral nature, all of that, to be a very quality, quality quarterback in the NFL with a high trajectory. Yeah, that's always a concern, you know, with young quarterbacks. You don't want them to take too much of a pound in their rookie season. Uh, they're ready. The game's already going to be moving too fast for them. Uh, they start getting the happy feet, and they start feeling something that's not there perhaps. Yep. And, you know, it just uh, slows down their progress. So, you know, protection for young quarterbacks especially is highly important, of, of course, for all quarterbacks. But when the young quarterback's first getting out there, yeah, uh, you want him concentrating on his uh, progressions, his reads, not, oh, shit, here he comes again. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's true. I mean, of course you want that, especially, hey, look at the investment that was made, the number one pick overall. When you go for the number one pick overall, you got to do everything possible to make sure he's protected and make sure that he's going to live up to that expectation and the money you're paying him to live up to those expectations. And then you look at the raw tools. If you watched him play from his freshman year until the time he graduated or the time he left school in his junior year, you saw he had all of the elements. I mean, man, I mean, he, he was, he couldn't, he had poise for, for years, for days. Players coming after him on the blitz, he's still sitting there. Still standing there, reminded me a whole lot of what Charlie Ward used to be for Florida State, where everything could just fall down around him, and he just stands there, still finds the receiver, and makes a big play. Bryce Young in the NFL, a different animal. If he can just, you know, keep his focus, if the team could put him in the position to where he can succeed, that's what they're all supposed to do. Much easier said than done. He could be that quarterback that people want to see over and over and over outside of Carolina. You know, their fans want him to succeed. But these are some of the players I like to see succeed, too. Like I mentioned in our episode earlier, I would like to see how he succeeds. I don't know. I can't remember what play you might have chosen or wanted to see this upcoming season in terms of rookies or even players. But he was one of my guys. And another guy I should have mentioned, Xavier Smith or Xavier Smith from FAMU, who's now with the Los Angeles Rams. The only reason why, when I saw him at FAMU, I said he was an NFL talent. That's all. I want to be justified. Because yeah, I yeah. thought he was the NFL talent when he was there. Slight built, quick, more quick than fast, very good hands, fearless. And I want him to make the team, even if it's just as a special teamer. Yeah, there's nothing like the satisfa satisfaction you get from uh, knowing you knew a guy first and you talked about oh, him yeah. before he was a known commodity. Um, but you, you said you didn't remember who my guys were. I said Justin Fields because oh, Justin now Fields. he has yeah, yeah. a number one receiver yeah. in DJ Moore. Um, he has some weapons. Hopefully they improve the line. But as far as rookies, I said Bijan Robinson. I want to see yeah. is he worth Bijan. the money? Yeah. Um, especially because running backs aren't getting paid. So uh, he got he got a nice contract. Will he earn it? Yeah, and you talk about that big money that these running backs are getting coming in, or this running back Bijan Robinson is getting playing for the Atlanta Falcons. As a rookie, the highest paid for this year, at least salary-wise, for this one year, 
more than any other running back in the NFL at a time when running backs are feeling disenfranchised because of the money they're not making. Even the franchise tag number is the number that has gone down more than any other position. In fact, the only position franchise tag-wise that has gone down since 2015, kickers have gone up. Quarterbacks, needless to say, we already know, defensive ends, cornerbacks, wide receiver, everybody's going upwards. And the running backs are taking a back seat. And it's becoming a passing league. We've already known it to be a passing league. And these running backs are feeling the brunt of that. And uh, uh, Kareem Hunt, who we spoke about yesterday, he had a visit with the Saints. He was happy about his visit. He had a visit with the Colts. They offered more money than the Saints. But he leaves Indianapolis without a deal. What's going on with him? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, You know, we talked about... Would he put his feelings aside for Ursay to accept that contract? I suggested he should take it. He, he doesn't have a lot left. Uh, you know, if this is the best contract he's going to get, get as much money as you can. You know, your NFL careers don't last no. forever. So get the money while you can. But if he's, I don't know if he said I'll get back to them or he just outright declined it. Who knows what's on his mind, but. You would think he'd want to sign soon since we're almost to the middle of August. Yeah, also he might not want to continue with these camps either. I mean, I think, you know, that's a little smart. That's a smart move from some of these veterans. But you know what? I wonder if he didn't want to come into the Hornets' nets, which would be the running back room of the Indianapolis Colts, knowing how Jonathan Taylor is feeling right now and him not getting his money. And I think it was somewhat of a deliberate thing for Jim Irsay to offer him even more money than what the New Orleans Saints was offering him. You know, that is a slap in the face a little bit to Jonathan Taylor in the middle of doing what he wants in terms of getting his money, knowing how running backs have been, how they've been devalued and all of these running backs standing up for it. Derek Henry standing up for it. We've talked about Christian McCaffrey standing up because of it. I mean, all of these running backs trying to stand together. You know, Josh Jacobs for the Raiders still holding out because he hasn't gotten a new contract. Saquon Barkley caved in, got himself almost a million dollar bonus, a million dollar uh, increase. You know, when he was looking for a lot more, you know, it's, it's just not working out for running backs. And I think um, and uh, Kenyon Drake, by the way, is a player that the Colts had signed. And the reason why I mentioned him, because I don't know why he's been with like four different teams since he's been in the NFL. An explosive player. I mean, even back in his Alabama days, I think you might remember the 95 yard kickoff return against Clemson in the national championship game. Always had that speed, played for the Miami Dolphins, had that speed had six different seasons in which he had over 50-yard runs for touchdowns. So the explosiveness is there, but he's with different teams all the time. I just don't get it. Now the latest team with Indianapolis. And so, you know, now you have him. And now you have Jonathan Taylor upset. And now you have Kareem Hunt in the room, but he's looking around saying, you know what, it might be too crowded. There might be too much going on. He might not want to sign with the Colts. And not to mention, they may not be as good this year as the, as the New Orleans Saints may be in the – uh, national, the uh, NFC South. Yeah, that's a good point. If he sees uh, there's a lot of drama, well, maybe the money isn't worth the drama. And then you, you toss in, they're probably going to lose a lot of games with drama and losing. That's a bad combination. So, oh, yeah, exactly. Who needs it? And uh, I decline. Thanks, but no thanks. And uh, one of the other guys we've spoken about before was Melvin Gordon, you know, the former Wisconsin player who went to the, um, played for uh, the Chargers, then went to Denver. Now he's in Baltimore with his $1.1 million contract too. 
accentuating the point that these running backs just aren't what they used to be. I've always thought that he would be a star running back in the NFL, and I was wrong big time with that. I mean, he's been good. He's been solid, but he hasn't been what I thought he'd be. But, you know, he you know, he admits now saying, you know, we're pretty much screwed until 2030. That's what you mentioned in the episode before. You can't do anything until a new collective bargaining agreement, which goes at 2030. Yeah, that's why I say take get take what you can get. I mean, the best offer out there, take it. Um, NFL running back running backs careers do not last very long, so you gotta take take it while you can. You know, and it's true. But now with the new market set, and even though the franchise number should give you an idea of where players may want to ask for whatever they're asking for, really, what is it? Because, I mean, even. Melvin Gordon took 1.1 million. That's far off from what running backs would normally take. I mean, is that why Zeke isn't signing right now as a free agent? Because he wants more than 1.1 million? You would think that would be the case, but who's offering that kind of money now? I mean, I can see Josh Jacobs getting that money because he's an old, a younger player, you know, and there's a little bit more trade, even though his style of play is different and more physical. I mean, I can see him getting, but I don't even see him get other than his franchise number. I don't see him getting that long-term contract, getting that $13 million, even like B. John Robinson's getting for at least next season. Yeah, I think it's all about value. Ezekiel Elliott's value isn't what it used to be. And even when he was at his best, he didn't, he didn't take his team to another level. So if I'm a GM and the running back is being put on the, the back burner, why you offer big contracts to a running back who's not going to get me where we need to go? But in a, a wide receiver league, a passing league, you know, you, the running game isn't going to disappear, but it's definitely going to vary. You know, your running backs aren't what they once were in terms of running between the tackles. And you, know, you have the run pass option now and the, the running backs are catching more out of the backfield more than ever. I mean, I thought it really started with Marshall. Yeah. But, but look at Pacheco. What was he, a second rounder, third rounder or something? Pacheco, that's my boy right there. If I have I'm one, just, I'm just saying it, it, the world champs get a guy in the second, third round. It, what, what's the message that sends to the rest of the league? Exactly. I think that's another case of why the running back position is being devalued is because, I mean, it's a dime a dozen league. We've seen it even in the past before Pacheco way back with the Broncos in the office of scheme. They had running the ball when Mike Adams or Mike Anderson was able to run. Alanis Gary was able to run. You know, then, of course, we had uh, Terrell Davis running. And before that, Clinton Porter's was running. Well, Clinton Porter's was running before that, uh, after that. But we see all of these people that were able to fit in the system, and they all excelled. You know what I mean? Their talent didn't matter, but they excelled, like, really well in that scheme. And it made, it made it seem like plug and play with almost any running back. And now you get these running backs. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, watching him in college, I thought he was a very good running back, but I didn't think he'd be the player that he ended up being now in the NFL. And I think because of injury, we might not see him from what he once was either. But, yeah, I mean, it is a dime a dozen league when it comes to running backs now, unless you get that really special guy. And I think somebody like Derrick Henry is more of an anomaly. Or even Christian McCaffrey, he was just he's just a freak. I mean, really, because of all the things he can do the speed he has, you know, he, he has a lot of value to him and he's still underpaid in my opinion, obviously. And, but um, yeah, the, the running backs are, they're not being phased out. Their salaries are being phased out. And the NFL likes it that way because they get to keep their money. Yeah. Well, it's so much money's 
go to the quarterbacks now. Yeah. Money's limited when, when you're looking at the rest of the roster. That's why it's good to uh, to have long playoff runs with the quarterback on his first contract mm-hmm. because once he performs and he comes up on that second contract, you got to pay him. And now that's a big chunk on your uh, your cap. The salary cap, yeah. And you're talking about these quarterbacks who get opportunities and you hope in the beginning because it's hard to find a quarterback anywhere that's going to get you to the playoffs. I mean, you know, you get Justin Herbert. That's, that's you know, Josh Allen, those kind of guys. That's not happening all the time. You know, you look out with that kind of a talent. But then you talk about a quarterback who's been around, who's been on a second contract. And right now, that's up in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins. I mean, Mark Wilf is not committed to him for next season in terms of giving him an extension. He's gone to he's gone through two extensions already, $84 million in extensions. Even though the numbers look good with him, I haven't seen him as really that elite, elite quarterback. Have you seen him as an elite, elite quarterback, or is he that second-tier quarterback that's kind of hoping he doesn't fall down to a third-tier quarterback? He just puts up solid numbers. Right. He He's kind of a steady quarterback. Um, but hasn't proved that he could get it done when when we're talking the big games. Um, so, yeah, he can't be in the top tier. And as you said, he's probably the lower part of the second tier trying to stay out of the third tier. And, and like I said, you go back to his numbers just with the Vikings, 153 touchdowns and only 50 interceptions. Bro, those are Hall of Fame numbers. Numbers. You know what I mean? It, there's not a lot of substance there because he had to go into the playoff and playoffs and done a whole lot in the playoffs when he's there. But – just looking at the numbers, you're like, you look at Joe Namath, he's in the Hall of Fame. Now, there's more to Joe Namath being in the Hall of Fame outside of his numbers. But looking at his numbers, you just think that he's an elite quarterback. He's played better with the Vikings than the top probably five quarterbacks in all the NFL. But when you look at his name and you look at his results, you don't look at him as a top five quarterback. At least I don't. But Kirk Cousins is right now. And right now, the Minnesota Vikings don't look like they want to give him an extension on his contract. And um, uh, they're not committed, at least after this season. They'll eventually work something out. But is it a trade deadline thing or they wait and see right now and trade them around draft time next year if they don't make the playoffs or if they don't move along in the playoff the way that the organization believes he should lead them? We just have to wait and see. Um, How old is he now? Wow. I know he's like, what, 33, 34? Yeah, so, I mean, he's got to be coming up on the cliff, right? You would think? Well, I mean, Tom Brady just kind of redefined what you're supposed to look at. That's one guy, though. That's one guy. (laughs) I know, but you know what? They see that one guy, and, you know, people who really want to be around, they use that anomaly, and they just want to jump on that exception, even though it's not the rule. They'll point it out just to make their case. He was in that offense where, you know, they had a good line. He didn't take a lot of punishment. He got the ball out quick. So he was able to – to last longer. He didn't get beat up. And then they changed the rules for him, too. You yeah. know, you breathe on him too hard, you get a 15-yard penalty. That's all so, quarterback now. I mean, that's even um, all, all, all quarterbacks. I mean, I, I saw Cam Newton get hit in the head, oh. helmet to helmet, no penalty. Well, but if, if that was Brady, it'd be a two-game suspension problem. See, the reason why I thought that happened to Cam Newton would be, is because of his style of play. I mean, he was that running quarterback. And he's bigger than linebackers, and he's physical. He made a living out of being a physical quarterback who could hurt players. And so I guess they gave it a little bit more leeway for the defense to tackle him. 
Now, if he was in the pocket and people that's just that's just one example, but I've seen it many times with other quarterbacks. What, what, what other quarterbacks? Yeah, other quarterbacks get get hit in certain ways and they get up looking no penalty, and you know if it was Brady, that oh, they'd be watching well, yeah. off fifteen. The franchise guy, you know, the face of the NFL, they wanted that. I mean, I guess Drew Bledsoe was – I mean, not Drew Bledsoe, but Drew Bleas, Breeze was afforded the same opportunities. I mean, when he was the golden child or along with Tom Brady, co-starring as golden child, you know, they make some of these rules for that. You he know, didn't deflate any, any footballs, though. What? He didn't deflate any footballs, though. Nah, I mean, well – who deflated the footballs? Was it Tom Brady or was it an equipment manager? If it's his footballs, he knows about it. You know so what? yeah, he did. It. It's like he's the mafia boss. He he, uh, he sent know, the man. he sent the order down. He he he's in charge. Come on. I mean, hell, I'm not a Patriots fan by a long shot. I mean, I'm in the AFC East with just saying, hey, cook, you, I'm you saying, but hey, if he didn't do it, or if somebody else had done it, or someone that directed them, they to didn't do it, do it without his knowledge. You know well, that. I, I can't say we don't every, know that. You don't think every quarterback is particular about their their football? I would believe and then, so. And then it comes a different way than how he wants it. He's not going to say something. Well, I, I mean, I he got him exactly how he wanted. You know it, well, how, many, how many quarterbacks are going to say something if they got a, a football that, that that wasn't as firm as the football that you normally have? Some of them don't say anything if it did benefit them. If it happened every game man, for yeah. every football, I mean, we don't know that though. We don't know that. We don't know if it was deflated every game or just certain games, only in the playoffs or only games you thought were important. You know, we just know now that it happened, but we don't know, you know, if he was the one who directed them. He probably could have recognized that. The the cheating started up top, so it it just trickled down. And he had to know? End of story. Come on. I mean, if it did start up top, man, why did Tom Brady get the blame for it? I mean, I mean Belichick was up there talking like he was Bill Nye, the scientist, <laughs> talking about the the condensation on the football or whatever, whatever he's talking about. Man, come on, you're a football coach. You're talking, <laughs> trying to give science facts. Get out of here with that. Hey, man. look at Steve Spurrier, man, when Todd Sauerbrunn was punting with West Virginia in the Sugar Bowl. He was talking about how they put helium inside the bowl. Helium. That's how they might have. you never know. I remember he had like an 80 yard punt in one game. He they might have. Todd Sobron just had a, a, a crazy leg. I don't know what the heck. Why is he even out of the NFL? It wasn't that out? crazy because he, he got drafted by the Bears and he, he was not that great of a punter. Well, you know, you go up in uh, Soldier Field, I, I saw him every Sunday. You win swelling, but either way, yeah, we just go with that Tom Brady rant and just talk about the way uh deflate gate. All this just got out of hand, but let's get back. I don't know how it got on here, but I know, right? It, it just get out a little bit. It just that was out. not on the agenda. No, nah, it wasn't on the agenda. I think maybe you might have an agenda against Tom or some type of thing against him. Man, you know, I, I didn't I didn't like seeing him succeed the way he had all this time in the AFC East, especially when it, it was the Jets doing that he became the starting quarterback because Mo Lewis was the one who knocked out Drew Bledsoe. But well, let's put a lid on that anyways and get into a little bit of college football since there is a little bit of college football out there. And it's not just normals, uh, a normal college football story, who's better than this and which team is going to be in first place, at least not this story. We do enough shows to where we'll eventually get around to that and talk about it consistently and even have guests who can talk about it and speak on it even more so than we can. But Breon Ramsey, big bubba, Breon Ramsey Brooks, a six foot five, four hundred and fifty five pound freshman for TCU, offensive lineman. I mean, 
He's now one of these viral sensations that people have been watching while he was in high school, mowing people down. He's now like the favorite player of a lot of people who've been watching YouTube to see his viral activities, pancaking defensive linemen in high school. They're expecting a lot of the same thing in college. 455 pounds at six foot five, you're a freshman. I don't think that's all good, especially playing in Texas when it's very hot. It can be extremely hot. And I, I, yeah, he's gonna be on the sideline like Akeem in the pit in the in the finals in '83. The oxygen mask. Yeah, he's exactly. But how many plays? Like every other play, because does a guy like this play an entire drive? He's an offensive lineman. You're probably going to put him at guard because I don't. I just don't see him. You know, people can just go around him. I mean, he's big, but he's not going to be that agile at 40 to 55. Exactly. Exactly. You got to have him in the inside if he's not going to snap because he can't get back up once he bends down. You got to have him at the guard spot. Use that power that he showed during those videos. But still, can he, you know, with, with the game on the line and a two-minute offense, is he going to be on the field or do you have to change your offensive lineman during the two-minute offense? That would be crazy. You know, you have a 14-yard pass and then you got to hustle up to the line. Um, I, I, I don't know how quick he is or you know, what kind of condition he is. he's in. He's going to have to improve that, obviously. Uh, we talk about too many offenses. There's a lot of running up to the line downfield. You got to get your ass up there, man. Yeah, and we saw TCU play last year. They have a pretty up-tempo offense. I mean, college football now is much more up-tempo than it's ever been. When we saw the run and shoot, we thought that was something that was just out there, everybody going fast and sprinting all the time. That's pretty much par for the course now when it comes to any college football, especially when everybody's trying to do the spread offense. And even without the spread offense, you just have players that are out there all the time now and offensive linemen aren't the ones you want to change as you're moving down the field. You might be able to, to change your skill position, guys. Get another receiver in there. Get another running back in there. But your guard or tackle, I don't think you want to do that during that two-minute offense or even if it's just catching a team off balance. Right. You said it. I mean, you, you want to have some consistency. And if you have to co consistently sub out one of your linemen, uh, it's, it's not going to bode well for the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of for continuity of the offense. And, and that's true. You need that continuity, especially on the offensive line, the unit that has to work together more than any other unit. It has to work in unison. But 455 pounds, that's the sticking point right there. At six foot five, still a huge guy. I don't care about his other world agility because it's still not going to be anything on the NFL level. But when does child abuse come into play? <laughs> Letting a guy get that big. And we see what these health issues are these what days. What do you mean by that? With, with people out there today with these the health issues and whatnot, we're talking not just coronavirus or taking the jab and all of these other things that people are having these mysterious ailments and passing out and dying. This is right in front of you. If he passed out, you know why he passed out. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's a 19-year-old kid now. You're going to tell me, hey, Maybe you shouldn't have that Twinkie, or maybe you shouldn't, you know, have an extra potato tonight. If he's hungry, what's he going to do? He's going to eat. You know, and I was reading one of the passages, and they were saying, well, he's 455 pounds now. He's a freshman and so forth and so forth. Well, back when he was 385, what? <laughs> back when he was 385, you know, like that's, that's like yesterday. You know, back when he was 385, it's okay. So he's showing that he's going from like 385. He's now 455 as a freshman. Does he go higher or does someone take the initiative, like which does happen in college football, 
getting you into the weight room, a real strength and conditioning coach that's right. going to lean you out and probably give you more years to your life. We've seen big plays before. Aaron Gibson was one of those players coming out of Wisconsin when he played ultimately with the Detroit Lions. Too big for his own good. Well, you would think they, that people at TCU would uh, monitor his uh, diet, you know, try and get him to eat healthier foods, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, strength and conditioning. Um, maybe we won't see it by this season, but, you know, with the summer in the program next year and maybe next year, maybe you can get down to 400 or who, who knows. Um, but, yeah, he, he should he should get down below 400, uh, if not, like, Closer to three sixty five or three fifty. Yeah, look, we're talking three sixty five or three fifty. Three sixty five. That's still a lot. That's what I'm saying. That's still a whole world, man. That's still like uh, that's maybe maybe three fifteen, three hundred five. I don't know. I mean, come on, man. You know, but I, I mean, you, you're talking about for him to get to three hundred five. That's one hundred forty five pounds. That's like a teenager, man. Exactly. I mean, man, it's incredible how big he is now. And if he did take off a human. He would still need another human to take off. But, you know, hopefully things end well for him in terms of him being a great player and ultimately getting a chance. Obviously, it's a dream of his like it is of millions of others of being an NFL player. He has the girth to at least be on an NFL you, roster. You know, and, and Allen is following him. Maybe he, he starts getting worked in practice, too, and he's like, man, enough of this shit. I got to do something about it. Yeah. And maybe a fire gets lit under his ass. You know what? He plays with intensity for what he has to offer. He plays with intensity, but, I, yeah, he needs to slim down. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but come on, the eyeball test says everything. I mean, we've seen big guys pass out, and now with these heat waves, especially down in Texas, we already know. I mean, we still don't forget, even around this time of year, we think about Corey Stringer, at least some of us still think about what happened to Corey Stringer, a big guy, the heat stroke and all of that stuff. And I remember how um, John Henderson for the Jags, it came up, you know, it, he passed out in practice before, but it was right after Corey Stringer, so it got a lot more attention. I hope it doesn't happen to this kid. But anyways, you know, we'll go into our last subject of the day, and David Benavides taking on possibly Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade. Finally, these guys should have gotten together in a round robin at some point for the right to fight Canelo years ago. But they've waited this long, but this fight may happen, and it will be an interesting fight if it does happen for the 168-pound uh, title. Yeah, it would be very interesting if they can make, work it out and get in the ring together. We're talking two undefeated fighters. Um, a lot of people question Andre's resume, his competition. Um, I mean, when I was running the, the old school boxing page on Facebook, years ago. I put his face on the back of a milk milk carton <laughs> asking, have you guys seen this guy? Because, I mean, his his uh, career has been riddled with that inactivity. So, yeah. you know, it, it'll be his first big fight. Benavides showed, uh, you know, he, he can rise to the occasion against Caleb Plant. Maybe not the best fighter out there, but a top-tier level guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Andre's stepping up to that level. If it happens, uh, and again, kudos to uh, Tank and Ryan Garcia because I think they got the ball yeah. rolling for these yeah. type of fights. Yep, they made the other guys out there. You know what? They get that buzz. They go to these guys' fights and they feel the buzz themselves. That could be us. And then you finally get something like this and other fights that we've had. You know, even the even though it was one side of the Earl Spence and Bud Crawford fight, 
still in terms of the camaraderie and the intensity and just the, the atmosphere for the fight during the press conferences, the fighting itself, the post-fight conferences, and everything after, you still have that intensity and that love that comes from it. And those two guys you've mentioned, Ryan Garcia and Tank, they got it together, and I think it really set the fire for these guys. But <clears throat> Demetrius Andre, I mean, Boo Boo, I've watched him as, as an amateur, and I thought for sure, if you ever saw a short, if you ever looked at a short thing, I thought he was that sure thing in the Olympics back in 2008. His talent, I mean, it reminded me of Amir Khan when I saw him in, in the amateurs. And we know about his chin now, but talent, you just saw the talent. You know, but Boo Boo doesn't have an issue with his chin. He has that talent. It's just that it's against lesser competition. David Benavides, we have now saw how he handles a boxer, a supreme boxer, which Caleb Plant was, but Caleb doesn't punch that hard. I mean, relatively speaking, four boxes, and he knocks regular people out. But I think Boo Boo pauses a poses a real threat, even though he hasn't really fought anybody himself. Yeah, that, that's why it's interesting. We're going to find out what's what, right? Uh, we yeah. think we know about, about Dave, David Benavides. We think he's a monster um, based off what he did to plan and his, his track record of putting a hurt on people. Mm-hmm. But we know Andre has boxing skills. And you know, I got a little bit of pop. Can, yeah, can he frustrate Benavides? Can he take a shot? Um, can he hurt Benavides? You know, those questions are going to have to be answered. And we both agree that's a very interesting fight. I hope it gets yeah. made. And we'll be talking about it if it does. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, um, when Caleb Plant did fight Benavides, there was times that Caleb Plant stayed in the pocket when people didn't expect him to do that against, you know, Benavides is a killer. He's a monster. And he stood in the pocket with him. He took some beatings, but he also gave a little bit back. He just didn't have the firepower. Yeah. And he did extend David Benavides, which no one, you know, not too many fighters have. And, um, you know, he made things interesting, but it, the, the outcome was never in question. We knew that Benavides was going to win by the end of the fight. You, you, no one got robbed. You know what I mean? I was right. hoping that Caleb Plant put up a good fight, and he did. And you can see that he really consciously bit down to survive and fight. And he fought. He didn't even just try to survive. He fought. Boo Boo, there's still so much to know about him. I mean, skill-wise, is there, but he hasn't been in that fight and brimstone uh, fight before to where we know he dug down deep and stood <clears throat> in there and you did something. None of these, I mean, at least in his case, he hasn't fought anybody who's done it. He's been down before too. Yeah, the messed up thing about this fight is if it happens, Canelo won't fight the winner. Oh, you don't think so? Nope. I think that's the reason why. He he was the one who recommended you guys all need to fight one another and then you need to come see me. Yeah, because he doesn't want to fight them. He wants them to fight each other. Huh? He doesn't want to fight them. He wants them to fight each other. Look, he's fighting the guy two two weight division below his weight class. Well, in all fairness, his brother had issues. No fairness. No fairness. No. I mean, his, I mean, his brother I mean, did Come on, issues. man. If Bud Crawford fought, called out Tank and knocked him out in the second round, he would be like, oh, but he was coming up from two weight classes below. Oh, we understand and that. What's well, the same thing? What's the difference? No. Now, I'm just saying, I'm just saying this. He was going to fight at super middleweight, the, um, the other brother, the super middleweight brother. And because he has his off the out of boxing issues going on, I don't think he might be going through a divorce or whatever he's going through. He said, I mean, he, mean, he was like, hey, you know, I'm not, my mind's not there right now. So the next best thing, you know, you ask his brother. Now he's going up two weight classes. There's just, and, and you know what? And going to that fight, man, I'll tell you right now, 
I'm leaning Charlo, actually, and this is based on a lot on the John Ryder fight. I know Styles makes fights, and you know, but how long did we expect Canelo to stay in his prime? And now he's showing some kinks in the armor, you know, getting over it as you're supposed to as a boxer. And he's an active fighter, even though he's not fighting a whole bunch of the top guys. He's he's actively fighting guys who are top ranked. Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna make a prediction. I'll, I'll just wait and see. Oh, not right, right now. See, I mean, if, he loses, if he loses to a guy two weight division below him, I want I, 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 I want to hear what all his DICK writers say because right now <laughs> they still rank him in the top five. Some people rank him above Bevel. Come on, what he won two rounds against Bevel? That that's utterly ridiculous. Oh, that, yeah, that was a, that's a joke. That that pound for pound list was a, a joke. There's no way a fighter who just lost so decisively should be ahead of the fighter who beat him. No, no way. And then that fight is still undefeated as well. You know, that that's just ridiculous. I mm -hmm. think we might have triggered you a bit for a bit of a... Um, <laughs> <laughs> we might have triggered you a bit for for uh, have a, a little hit list tonight. At least somebody, maybe Canelo might show up on it. Is there, Do you have a little energy for a hit list right now? I can do a hit list, I guess. There, there wasn't really anything or anyone that, that I thought of, but I, I, I never gave my names for Paul Pierce. The, the 30 or 40 guys that are better than him. But let me start off with Dwayne Wade. Paul Pierce said, if you give me LeBron James and Bosch, I'm sure we'd win a couple. All right, so he's implying he's better than Dwayne Wade. I don't agree with that. And neither does Dwayne. I, I don't know if you guys saw his, uh, his reply, but he says, rent is expensive and I'm living rent free, implying he's in, in Paul Pierce's head. Seems a lot like a lot of people are in Paul Pierce's head nowadays. He's saying a lot of things about a lot of people. Um, he was going at, at Errol Spence saying he can't call himself the truth unless he anoints him the truth. I, I don't know how Paul Pierce got his name the truth. Um, and I never agreed with it. I'll give him his credit. He got a bunch of buzzer beaters. And when they asked him, did you call glass? He said, I call game. That was dope. That, that was dope. I'm not going to hate on that at all. But the truth, come on, man. I, I can, I can, off the top of my head, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, that's five there, right there in five seconds. Do I need to keep going? Magic Johnson, Akeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Kareem, that's 10 right there in 15 seconds. Do I need to keep going? Come on, man. There's so many players I would call the truth before I got to Paul Pierce. And then a lot of those players towards the end of the list, I probably wouldn't call the truth either. I mean, Dr. J, Iceman, Gervin. I mean, these dudes, Iceman dropped 72 in the game, I believe. Somebody was beating him out for the scoring title. In the last game, he was like, nope, it's my title. Watch this. Went out there, did his thing. Paul Pierce was on the court when Kobe was struggling in game seven, having a terrible shooting night. And he let Trevor Ariza and Meta World Peace take the Lakers to the championship. That's on your watch, Paul Pierce. You can't be the truth if you let that happen. Kobe had a bad game, and you still lost. You're not the truth. Give it up. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> hey, you know, you've been on that Paul Pierce thing for some time now, and it is true. I know you and I went on so went over some names. And hey, you came up with them faster now than you did when we went over some names. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and, you, and the names you mentioned wasn't even a lot of the names that we mentioned. So there's even more names we could add 
that are legitimately right. When, when we talked about it, I didn't mention Steph. I didn't mention KD. No, no. But I mean, they, yeah, they you call them the truth before. You didn't even mention George Garvin. <laughs> no. And, and, and I, mean, I had, I had to give a little, a little, little love to the old school. You know it, and those guys deserve it, man. I hate when they get trapped on. People still talking crap about Bill Russell playing against this bad competition. Man, get out of here. Yeah, he played against fewer teams, but that means there was a lot, a lot more talent was concentrated in those eight teams. That means if you added a team, that means the people who couldn't make the NBA would now make the NBA because of that extra team that's there. So hey, just think right. about it that way as well. Right. I mean, even in Boston, Larry Bird was the truth. Oh, no questions. I don't even know why people even say anything about Larry Bird, anything pejorative, because he's just, I mean, he's a Larry legend for a reason. If you watched him play, you would know. If you didn't watch him play, watch videos, and then you would know. But why are people going at Dwayne Wade? (laughs) Jeff T, what what did Dwayne Wade do to these guys, man? (laughs) Why, why Why are they singling him out? Hard is better than Dwayne Wade. Why, why, why Dwayne Wade? Why not a different player? You know, why, why is, why is Pierce going at Dwayne Wade saying if he had LeBron and, and Bosch? But well, don't get it twisted though. Don't get it twisted though. LeBron joined Wade. Wade already had his ring, mm-hmm. right? And then when they got together, LeBron had his worst finals ever. He choked. He yeah, choked he against the Mavericks, man. So yeah, you do. You probably have a couple, maybe. But he, I, I can't say that his Boston teams would have been better than the Heat teams. Well, we won't. We don't know that. But I'm so, um, certainly we brought up names, or at least you brought up names that are the truth and can be considered the truth. And I think yeah, if you got problem, names, drop drop them in the comments, please. A basketball aficionado will come up with a lot of the names too before they came up with Paul Pierce. He is a fellow Hall of Famer, like a lot of the people that you mentioned. In fact, some of those players you mentioned will be future Hall of Famers, like Steph Curry. But Paul, but, Pierce, but when, you, when, when you nonsense, when you think of the truth, man, you you think of somebody like damn, like nobody can mess with that guy. You know what I mean? Like you can't stop him. Yeah, I mean, Paul Pierce did he even average twenty points for his career? You know what? I don't even know that. We can always check. I, I don't think he did. But we'll come back with that answer probably tomorrow because. But, this but again, a lot of big shots. You know, it's unfortunate. I got to throw shade his way because he's throwing shade at other people. I'm about to say he has no problem throwing shade at other people. Right. right now. So he's been doing it for quite some time too. I mean, and, I, I probably come off as a Paul Pierce hater, but I gave him his love. I said he, what he said was dope. His his buzzer beaters was dope. You know, he has a, a, a history of making big shots, but he's a hater. <laughs> he's the hater. Jealousy, I guess. <laughs> See, I'm trap. he's biased, and this is the Sports Please. Bag Bros Podcast. This is episode number 40, so make sure you check us out. If you've gotten this far and you've heard the rant, you'll be getting a piece of that, too, because we will be, we'll be putting that out there. In addition, we'll be back tomorrow with episode 41, because Thursday is our Friday, and we will be heading into the weekend afterwards. Peace. Deuce.